Matthew 18. The same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Notice he didn't, they didn't ask who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, but who is? Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Present tense. Father, you're so faithful to us and we love your son with all of our hearts. Thank you for his precious blood. And Father, for a few moments we pray that you would open the scriptures to us and that your spirit would apply them to our hearts. And that we would leave this place built up on our most holy faith. That we would leave this place with hearts in love with Christ. And minds with determination ready to serve him for the glory of his name. If there's one who's come in who does not know your son as their own Lord and personal saviour. Pray tonight, Lord, would be the night that they will realize there is a God in heaven. And we thank the Lord that you're our God. Glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this evening. We ask it for his glory, for his name's sake. Amen. Amen. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Matthew 1, or 18 rather, in verse 1. John Bunyan, that's the author, well-known author of Pilgrim's Progress. He's once asked a question uh, about heaven that he couldn't answer. And he thought the matter through and he prayed about it and he realized it wasn't revealed in Scripture. So he went to the inquirer who asked him the question, and this was John Bunyan's simple answer. He said, live a holy life and go and see. Live a holy life and go and see. In other words, John Bunyan knew that outside of Christ, no one is holy. But he says, if you know Christ and you live a life before him, He says, go and see heaven for yourself. Go and find out what it's like because you'll be in Christ. Live a holy life and go and see, he said. And now there may be some unanswerable questions that people even ask me or maybe others have asked you. And we have thought about it and put our concern to it and we've mulled it over. We just can't come up with the answer because even in the scriptures we're given what's known as a portrait of heaven. A snapshot, a glimpse, a somewhat small idea 
of what heaven's really like. Now you know me by now, I believe heaven is coming to earth when Christ returns. I believe the scriptures plainly and clearly teach us that the heaven on earth, rather known also as the kingdom of God, will be on this earth where Christ will rule and reign for a thousand years, then rule into eternity after the great white throne judgment when those who are not saved will find out their final destination of a burning lake of fire. And here we have the disciples wondering, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You know, when we look at at the scriptures, listen to what it says about heaven in Revelation chapter 21. We'll have to skip across a few verses. Here's a picture. And when we're reading this, think of it like this. We're not going to read tonight about golden streets and pearly gates and Because really, is there really golden streets? And are there really pearly gates? Really, the the writer, the Spirit of God is, is telling the writer, John, write this down, golden streets and pearly gates, for the simple reason is you and I have to have something that we can hold on to, that you and I can identify with. I believe the kingdom of God will be greater than golden streets and pearly gates. Even as the Apostle Paul says about heaven and the things of God and that which will be revealed from God to us at this time, he tells us that it has not entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. I have not seen nor ear heard Neither have it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Let's see what Revelation says. John says, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Revelation 21 verse 3, Behold, a tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall dwell with them, them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now, if you and I want to know who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, then all we need to do is read the scriptures. All we need to do is to see the man centered in glory. If you and I want to know who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, then look what it says here. The apostle says the tabernacle of God is with men. This is a picture of Israel's tabernacle in the wilderness, centered right in the heart of the nation. Three tribes to the north, three tribes to the south, three tribes to the east, and three tribes to the west. And tabernacle is a picture, but now it's brought from the Old Testament through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it shows his glorious, beautiful kingdom of his redeemed saints. And it shows that tabernacle where the glory came down into the holy place. It shows that place now is in a man, a person. And the tabernacle of God is not made of badger skins anymore. There's no curtains and there's no furniture. The tabernacle of God is in a human being. The tabernacle of God is with men. And he, God, the tabernacle 
will be their God and they'll be his people. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, the fullness of God, who will live with us, who will come among us, who will be seated on a throne. The Lord Jesus Christ who will come in all his glory and in all his power. And those of us who are saved, you and I, we will live with him forever and ever and ever. Listen to what it says in verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Brother, sister, do you see the crying you've done over a broken heart? That's the end of it. Do you see the anxiety and the worry that you've had for years about your children? That's the end of it. Do you see the loved ones that we have lost in Christ? The pain of it and the depths of it. That's the end of it because we will be with them. You see when you get up in the morning and your back sore and your head's hurting or you have to put your glasses on like I do to see. That's the end of it. There's no more sorrow and there's no more pain and there's no more tears and there's no more death. Because the Lamb of God in the midst of the throne will be our God. He will come in all his radiant glory and all his beauty and his majesty. And he will rule and reign and his glory will change us who are in Christ. And you and I will receive a new body. You're going to receive a new body, brother. Sister, you're going to receive a new body. You shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Listen, there'll be no more cancer. There'll be no more tumors. There'll be no more HIV or AIDS. There'll be no more diseases. There'll be nothing that will hinder you and nothing that will harm you and nothing that will hurt you because you will be in the presence of God. You'll be changed with a new body. I'm sorry, all our friends here, we know we have doctors and we have nurses and midwives and paramedics and so on in our assembly. But you're going to be redundant. Don't worry about your mortgage because guess what? There'll be no more mortgage. I was at a meeting one time and people laughed because I said, you know, in the kingdom I believe there'll be no more deodorant and perfume. Someone said to me, how did you work that out? I said, because in the curse in the garden, the Lord says, in the sweat of thy bread, thou shalt eat thy bread. I said, you'll not be sweating, you'll not need it. No more antiperspirant. You'll have a new body. Fashion like unto his glorious body. And you'll live with him throughout the eons of time forever and ever and ever. There'll be no more pain. Listen, for the former things, all those things, all of them. There'll be no more injuries. There'll be no more hurting. There'll be no more mourning. All of things that beset the human race. There'll be none of it. 
all because God has tabernacled among men. You see, when you read the Gospels, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, and you see the Lord Jesus going and, 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 and making blinded eyes to see, and unstopping deaf ears and making tongues to talk and to praise his name. When you see the Lord Jesus and he's walking around Galilee and even around Samaria and even around Jerusalem and Judea and you see him raising the dead, you see him giving a wee girl back to her parents that had died and a young man back to his widowed mother so he could look after her, raising him from the dead and calls into a tomb, Lazarus come forth and the dead walks out after four days dead. It's a sample. It's a snapshot. It's a segment of the kingdom of God. Jesus says, if I with the finger of God touch you, then the kingdom of God has come unto thee. And oh, when he comes in his fullness, at the time the Father sends him forth, we will see the tabernacle of God with men. And all these things will be the former shall pass away. Shall pass away. When Christ comes in all his beauty. Verse 22. Listen to what he says now. I saw no temple therein. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. I get myself into trouble, but let me say this. There are Christians and they're trying their best to rebuild a temple for the Jews. See, in the kingdom of God, there is no temple. The Bible said that. In fact, the Bible tells me that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. You're the temple. There's no temple. Here is Solomon's great edifice, standing majestic, a massive building. And there the sacrifices were made. And there they came forth and they poured out water upon the altar. And the last great, they had the great feast. And they poured it out upon the altar to wash the water with the blood away. And in the last day it was Solomon. They came forth, the priests bearing the pictures of water upon their shoulders and golden vessels. And the people stood quiet. And the people stayed silent. And the people waited and the people watched. And they poured out the water upon the altar. And that water signified the end of tabernacles. And when they did that, there was the water and the blood ran down. And the people rejoiced. And they got out their shofar. They got their trumpets out. And they blew them and they blew them. And the people clapped and the people cheered. And the people rejoiced. And the people were glad. And Jesus was there that day, the great day of the feast. And Jesus watched it with a sad heart. And he looks at it and he cries, If any man thirst, let him come on to me and drink. He that believeth in me, as the scriptures have said out of his belly, shall flow rivers of living water, this speak he's signifying of the Holy Ghost. In other words, Jesus said, you're having a, a, a bit of an ease up, boys. 
You're having a bit of a religious excursion today. You're having one of those beautifully planned and purposed gathering together that you may do ceremonial activity. And you're rejoicing, you're all together. And when you're all together, there's strength in that. And you're rejoicing and blowing your trumpets and you're so glad. But when you go home and you're on your own, when you close the door and the world's outside, just let me tell you something. The world gets on with their business. And you're still sitting with your sin. And you're still sitting with your hurt. And you're still sitting with your sickness. And you're still sitting with all your problems. Close the door and the mask comes off. He says, but if you come to me, the water poured down. Oh, it's great. Everybody together. It's good to be in church and praising you need the Holy Ghost within you. That when you go home and shut your door, you'll say, Lord, I might be feeling low, but I know I've got you. And out of my belly will flow rivers of living water. In other words, you'll take me everywhere. You'll take me to your work. And you'll take me to your friend's house. And you'll take me to your family's. You'll take me when you're out shopping. You'll take me when you go to the marketplace. You'll take me whenever you're away doing your business. He says, and I will never leave thee, neither will I forsake thee. But if you haven't got me, he says, you're living the same way that you came to the temple is the same way you will go back. I speaking to someone not saved and you come in. Are you going to leave the same way you come in? rather than give your life to Christ and leave with your belly filled with rivers of living water. There's no more temple therein for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple. See, that's where the sacrifice is made and in heaven there is no more sacrifice. Friend, did you hear me? There's no more sacrifice for sin. When Jesus cried, it is finished, it meant it is finished. There's no more sacrifice for sin, no alms, no works, and no deeds. And in heaven, there's no more sacrifice. In a temple or otherwise, verse 23 says, And the city had no need of the sun. Gary prayed this this evening in a prayer meeting. And the city had no need of the sun, neither the moon. To shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Do you know what this tells me? You know, when we get up in the morning, and well, if you and I have a really good day, we see the sun over here. The sun doesn't seem to shine much, but we know it's there. Somewhere there, but it's there. And at some part of the day, there come shadows. You cast a shadow, and I cast a shadow. There's shadows. And there's darkness in light. Did you know that? The light that we have here in this building, there's actually spots of darkness in this light. 
It's not a pure light. It's spots of darkness in the light. Your car headlights has spots of darkness in it. Our human eye, we can't work it out. We can't see, but there are little spots of darkness in it. That's why the scripture says that of the almighty God, this says that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Light in all its purity. And you cast a shadow and I cast a shadow as the sun's shining on our face, the shadow's at our back. And if it's on our back, it's down the front. And you and I cast a shadow. Buildings cast a shadow. Cars driving cast a shadow on a part of the road and the pavement as they drive down the road. And we all cast a shadow. There are shadows everywhere in the light of the sun. But in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God, Such is the brilliance and the glory of the light of the Lamb. There is no shadow anywhere. It's brilliance of light all over. He is the light of heaven. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up and on a throne and his train or his garments fill the temple And these great seraphim creatures with six wings each, two covering their face and two covering their feet and two they did fly. And they're crying one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory, giving us a glimpse of heaven. These these creatures crying out and worshipping day and night back and forth. Isn't he wonderful? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Isaiah saw him and he stepped off that throne and came down and became flesh to die on the cross for you and me. Now he is risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. He is the center of all of heaven. He is the very center of all of heaven's worship. Because you see, God is invisible. God is the great eternal spirit. God manifests his logos. God manifests himself to a visible presence for the angels of glory to worship. The word was with God and the word was God. He manifests himself and the angels gather around to worship. And oh, Lucifer was there. Oh, with, with, with that with stones and pipes, we're told, coming out of him. Some say the worship leader of heaven. And as the angels worship, he was the anointed cherub that covered with his great wings he covers. Specially made to reflect the glory of God that the angels would not be consumed in his presence. He sits on his throne. As they worship, beautiful sound is believed to have been made. I'll speak more about that some other time. Of course, Lucifer gets high above himself and exalts himself and is cast out of heaven to earth. The Lord Jesus is now in heaven, a man in the glory, a man the right hand of the majesty on high, we're told. 
a man at the right hand of the Father. The Son of God before his Father. And all of heaven looks to him. And all of heaven are gathered around him. And he dwells in unapproachable light. You know when Christ returns, this sky is going to roll back like a scroll. In other words, the whole of the universe, as far as your eye and mine can see, And I hope Hubble is around to take a photograph from millions of miles out there. You know why? It's going to be filled with the angels of God. It's going to be filled with brilliance of light. It's going to be filled but at the center, at the forefront, right in the midst of it all, there will be a man and his name is Jesus. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Well, the hymn writer got it right. Center of glory, the I see. Wonderful man of Calvary. Revelation 23 says, In a city had no need of the sun, neither the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Notice what verse 24 says, skipping on. And the nations of them which are saved. (laughs) Now notice this. Here's God's sheep coming in. The nations of them which are saved. Would you say the word saved for me? Saved. Would you say it and let yourself hear it? Saved. Would you say it and let the devil hear it? Saved. The nations of them which are religious shall go in. The nations of them which have a denomination shall go in. The nations of them that come from Elam shall go in. No, the nations of them that are saved. Saved, born again of the Spirit. Redeemed with the blood of Jesus. In other words, there's nobody else going in but the nations of them that are saved. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. Verse 27. There shall in no wise enter in anything that defileth. Neither whatsoever worketh abomination. <laughs> Let me say this about abomination. We know abomination. In the Old Testament especially. You know if you eat. Eating swine is an abomination. Swine's an unclean animal, and the Lord says, you eat the swine, anything of the pig's abomination. I still believe it's an abomination too, but we'll talk about that another time. Homosexuality practicing is an abomination before God. It's an abomination. See the word abomination here? Do you know what it really means? Those who put anything before Christ. i.e. it gives the idea of idolatry. Those who place an idol, whether that be your loved ones, whether that be yourself, whether that be your job, whether that be money, mammon, if you put it before Christ, it's called an idol. And in the scriptures it says, 
Those who prefer those things and idol worship, it's an abomination before God and they shall not enter into the kingdom of God. So let's examine our hearts for a minute and see what do we put before him. Revelation 21 verse 27 says this, Or maketh a lie. (laughs) You're glad of grace now, aren't you? It means more than that. I haven't time to do these. But they which are written, notice, who's going to enter in? They're not going to enter in. But they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. How do I know if my name is written in the Lamb's book of life? This is how you know. When you surrender your life to Jesus. You know the song, there's a new name written down in glory. Talking about people coming to saving faith in Christ. That's not true. That's not true. Your name is already written down in glory. They just ticked you off. Got them. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. Make your calling and election sure that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Chapter 22, and we're running to a close here. Verse 3 says, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants, here's where I'm going to go to, God willing, next week, his servants shall serve him. And here's me thinking, that we're going to sit on a cloud and strum a harp and I'm going to wear a nice brilliant white suit. Now what do you think? I'm going to wear a brilliant white suit, nice shiny shoes and everybody's going to go around and they're going to just be all dressed in white and there'll be maybe some old piano player sitting with a big white, white grand piano, you know, big white staircase up behind them and we're going to go wafting to heaven in a handbasket. Folks, we need to get real about the kingdom. That's nothing. That's man's imagination. It says his servants shall serve him. His servants shall serve him. Verse 4, and they shall see his face. Now that is one of the most beautiful lines in the whole of Holy Writ. And they shall see his face. That song, there's coming a day and no heartache shall come. Eh? Who, who knows that song? There's no clouds in the sky. Martha, could we pray?